In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear Saints, I got a number of emails and texts and calls and had a number of conversations uh, with a number of you about how you are worried and anxious about everything that's going on. And to be honest, I am too. Uh, We've seen an awful lot of troubling things over the past year. And so rather than respond to everybody individually, I decided that it would be best for us to just have a service uh, tonight. And this is because whenever we're nervous or anxious or afraid, there is no better place for us to be than in the church, gathered all together, hearing the same word of God, praying to the same Lord and receiving the same peace. Now, the reason many of us are anxious uh, is because we've seen the beginning of some terrible things. Uh, We've seen the government overstep their authority and impose unjust mandates upon us all. Uh, What was supposed to be a two-week lockdown to flatten the curve turned into 10 months and counting. We've been forbidden to visit our Christian brothers and sisters who are shut-ins in the nursing homes. And if you ask me, this is incomparably cruel and inhumane. We've seen small businesses forced to close and families lose their entire income. A number of you have been furloughed, lost your jobs, and some of our dearest members have had to move away. And I know some of you are uh, going to do this uh, quite soon. Uh, We've seen a filthy double standard in the government. Uh, Citizens are mandated to isolate and lock down while politicians break their own laws and walk about freely, uh, going to salons, wearing soft clothing, eating at fancy restaurants, these sort of things. We've seen looting and rioting, buildings decimated and lit on fire, and we've seen the world call it mostly peaceful. We've seen governors shut down Christian churches, fine congregations, thousands of dollars, arrest pastors, take them to jail for gathering together to hear God's word. And yet we've seen those same governors allow strip clubs and bars to remain open without batting an eye. We've seen mountains of evidence of treason, ballot harvesting, changed votes, fake votes, votes from deceased people, and as a result have now seen a stolen or fraudulent election. We've seen the media come together to silence anyone who has a dissenting opinion, uh, who will not passively accept anything that has happened. We've seen a riot at the Capitol building, which we wholeheartedly condemn. And yet with every passing day, we see that it looks more and more like it was staged or set up. Now, if that weren't bad enough, on top of all of this, we've had the silent, ongoing slaughter of the innocents take place right before our very eyes. Worldwide, there have been already two million abortions since January 1st of this year. It has not even been a month. 90% of all children with Down syndrome are murdered in the womb before they can take a breath. 
In New York, more black babies are killed than actually born. And today, the president who has imposed himself on us will make it even easier for mothers to slaughter and dismember their own children whom they hate. For having the audacity to exist simply for being knit together in their mother's womb by a God who loves them and spilled his blood for them. And the party that calls this atrocity health care or a choice is the party that is entirely in charge of our country as we speak. Now, I know the reason we're all even more afraid is because of how this is going to affect us. You're already being silenced uh, in your job simply for saying that life begins at conception, that a man is a man and a woman is a woman, that marriage is between a man and a woman. And yet we know most likely that things are about to get worse. And we know that those who rule over us are not opposed to the idea of one day taking away these words, this speech, and taking away any means of self-defense. We also know that they're not opposed to one day taxing churches, which will inevitably drive them into poverty and close them down by the thousands. And we've seen this already all across Europe, that those who bend their knees to the mandates of the government and change their teachings will be blessed by that government, while those who refuse to do so will be forced to close. We've seen this all around the world already, and it's happening here. Even more, right now, locally here at Zion, we're also facing quite a, uh, quite a bit of financial trouble. And because of that, have had to make the decision to sell the building and downsize. And we still have a lot of questions and doubts and unknowns about our own church, our own future, our own lives, our own families, our own children. And that is what I'm going to address tonight. Uh, In order to do this, I want to recount a little bit of church history, so bear with me. Uh, So first, we go back to the year 1500 B.C., uh, 1500 years before Christ was born. And we uh, listen to what Exodus chapter 1 says. It says, There arose a new king over Egypt. And he said to his people, Behold, the people of Israel are too many and too mighty for us. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, lest they multiply. And if war breaks out, they join our enemies and fight against us and escape from the land. Therefore, they set taskmasters over them to afflict them with heavy burdens. They ruthlessly made the people of Israel work as slaves and made their lives bitter with hard service in mortar and brick and in all kinds of work in the field. In the very next part, uh, I won't read it, but I'll summarize it. Pharaoh tells the midwives to kill all of the baby boys that are being born to the women of Israel and to only let the girls live. And the reason for this was to remove these boys who would grow up to be husbands and fathers who protect uh, the women. And he wanted to get rid of them. He wanted to get rid of the men. Uh, And then the text says that some in Israel refused this and the boys were born anyway. And then Pharaoh commanded that any of these boys who were born, uh, that they would be thrown into the Nile River and die. And then some time passes and Pharaoh is upset. And then this happens. Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters of the people and their foremen, uh, the Bible says, he, he says this, that you shall no longer give the people straw to make bricks as in the past. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. 
Let heavier work be laid on the men that they may labor at it. And then the next part says that when they couldn't keep up with this, they couldn't carry out this work, uh, they were beaten even more. Okay, now fast forward a couple hundred years to the year 600 B.C. Uh, Daniel chapter 3 says this, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And now that he's in power, the text says this. It says, King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits, that's 90 feet tall, and its breadth six cubits, which is nine feet wide. And he set it up on a plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. And then King Nebuchadnezzar sent to, to gather all the officials to come to the dedication of the image that he had set up. And they stood before the image And the herald proclaimed aloud, he says these words, he says, You are commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages, that when you hear the sound of the horn, you are to fall down and worship the golden image that the king has set up. And whoever does not, who does not fall down and worship, shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. And then the text later says that there were three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who refused to bow down and worship the image and then were cast into the furnace. Um, and, and God was with them and he protected them. Okay, now we go to the year 2 BC. And here we hear of Herod the Great. And I've already preached on this uh, for the second Sunday of Christmas. And there you heard about Herod slaughtering all of the innocent children, two years old and under. Now we go to the year 35 AD, and there we see a man by the name of Saul of Tarsus who persecuted the church, and he started this persecution by seizing Stephen, who was a deacon in the church, and Acts chapter 7 says this, it says, when they heard these things, Stephen speaking the word of God, they were enraged and they ground their teeth, they gnashed their teeth at Stephen, they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears, rushed together at him. And they cast him out of the city, and they stoned him. They killed him. A few years later, in the year 64 AD, Emperor Nero was in power, and there was a great fire that broke out in Rome and destroyed the city and drove a lot of the Romans into poverty. And some believe that Nero started the fire. In fact, most likely, that is the case. Uh, Nevertheless, Nero, what did he do? He blamed the Christians for doing it. He said they were the ones who caused this. And this is a text from Tacitus in the time, and it says this. It says, Nero fastened the guilt and inflicted the most exquisite tortures on a class hated for their abominations called Christians by the people. Uh, A few years later, Nero ended up taking Christians... Uh, Christian mothers and fathers and children, tying them to posts, uh, lighting them on fire, and use them as a way to light up the area uh, for his parties, burning Christians alive, and he continued persecuting them. And it was under Nero uh, where Peter and Paul died. They were martyred. In 70 AD, the Roman Colosseum was built, And for Rome's entertainment, they executed criminals. And many of these criminals were Christians. And what was their crime? Refusing to bow down and worship the Roman gods. 
And so the Romans covered the Colosseum with sand, and that's why they call them an arena. That's what arena means. It means sand. And they put the sand down to soak up the blood from the Christians because they didn't want it to stain the building that they built. So it would soak up the blood and then they just sweep it away. And so what they did is they separated Christian mothers from their children, husbands from wives, pastors from their churches, and they put them there to be tortured to death in the sight of all. And then in 107 AD, Ignatius of Antioch was fed to lions and many other Christians were as well. Now, I can go on and on and on, and I can tell you about the persecution that has continued up to this very day. And I can tell you of all the martyrdom that is going on right now as we speak, but that is silenced by the media and the world because they don't want to hear it or say it. I can also tell you of our Lutheran brothers who were murdered in the Lutheran seminary in Nigeria because they were studying the Bible just a year ago. I can go on and on about this, and I, the thing is I, I simply don't have time to do this, but I'm telling you a small glimpse of this, and I'm giving this all of to you, uh, saying all of this to you for one reason, and it is this. It is to give you comfort. It may not seem that way, but there is a profound comfort in all of this. Remember how Pharaoh hardened his heart and persecuted God's people. How Nebuchadnezzar threw God's people into the furnace. How Herod the Great slaughtered the innocent ones. How Saul persecuted the church. How Nero burned Christians and incinerated them. And Romans tortured the church. All right. Now name one. Name one of these nations that is still around to this day. Name one of these rulers or these people who are still leading and influencing anybody today. Their cities are in ruins. Their countries are no more. They're all dust and ashes. Which kingdom from the Old Testament or the New Testament is still around? Which nation from that time still exists? Which empire is still ruling right now and hasn't turned to dust? Where are Pharaoh's people or Herod's people or Caesar's people? And here we have this little flock, this poor little church dressed in rags, despised by the world, imprisoned by the rulers, persecuted by the wicked, killed with swords, thrown to lions, set on fire. And yet she is still here. This little church whom the world has tried in every way to get rid of is still here. And it won't go away because the Lord won't let it go away. Psalm 121 says, He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. He will keep your life. The church is still here, not because of our strength or might, but because God's word is here, because Jesus sustains us. Jesus asked Peter, who do you say that I am? And Peter said, you are Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said this to him. He said, blessed are you for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. 
That rock is the proclamation of the gospel on which the church is built. So, dear saints, the gates of hell will not prevail against us. The plots of Herod and Caesar and all the others, as clever and as powerful as they were, they all accomplished nothing. And they quickly perished, and God's word remained. The world can be full of devils and trouble, and yet we won't be moved. Here you are despised by the world, yet loved by your Father in heaven. Here you are last on the earth, but first in the kingdom of heaven. Here you are the ones who will not turn away from or deny Christ, because he will never turn away or deny you. And here we are, this poor little group of Christians who are willing to suffer all, even death, rather than fall away. Here you are gathered together to bow your knees to the God who loves you and gave himself up for you. Here you are the ones who hold the word of God and treasure worth and, and treasure and, and know its worth, that it is worth more than all the silver and gold of the world. Philippians chapter 3 says, We are citizens of heaven, where the Lord Jesus Christ lives. And as you live in the world, as you come to church, you are ruled by Christ the Lord who loves you and who will not leave you nor forsake you. So I don't know uh, what is in store. I don't know what will come our way. We may see joyful and peaceful days to come, and we may not. We may see only trouble and pain. This church, this actual congregation may be here for decades to come, or this may be our last year together. We may continue to grow as God's children and gather together here and increase in number, or we may dwindle down to only two or three who are gathered in his name. But no matter what happens, Christ has promised that every single day that we gather here together, he will be right here with us, forgiving us and giving us a peace which the world cannot give. And because the world did not give us this peace, the world cannot take it. The devil has tried day and night, foaming at the mouth, fighting with all rage and might to wipe away God's church from the face of the earth, to take away Christians from this planet. But he cannot, because God is with us. So don't be afraid or anxious. Don't fear. Don't be afraid of anything. Be anxious about nothing. Commend yourself and your children to Christ the Lord Keep coming to church, keep praying, keep reading the Bible and entrust your children to Jesus because Jesus will take care of them even when you and I can't. He will be here for them when you and I cannot be. And he loves your children more and better than you can. We suffer in this brief life of sadness, but soon God will rescue us from this veil of tears. So remember what Romans 16 says. It says, soon the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet. Hear the words of this hymn. O little flock, fear not the foe who madly seeks your overthrow. Dread not his rage and power. 
And though your courage sometimes faints, his seeming triumph over God's saints lasts but a little hour. As true as God's own word is true, not earth nor hell's satanic crew against us shall prevail. Their might a joke, a mere facade. God is with us and we with God. Our victory cannot fail. Amen, Lord Jesus, grant our prayer. Great captain, now thine arm make bare. Fight for us once again. So shall thy saints and martyrs raise a mighty chorus to thy praise forevermore. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.